morning, everyone. Our second reading, um, Paul, who's in prison, that is his uh, cross, if you will, is uh, sending someone to a community, and he's asking them to please welcome him uh, as something more. And so this evening and this morning, we welcome Digma Kyle. And uh, I don't think he was a slave, well, slave to Jesus Christ, uh, perhaps maybe to his wife. <laughs> I can hear Jesus, shh, Father, uh, but we welcome you, Deacon Mikhail. Uh, my friends, our, our first reading, um, Jesus is going uh, to Jerusalem, and Jesus has an injunction directed at people, and this is the opening line of the gospel, um, and he he had been, if you will, wagging his finger at the Pharisees and scribes. You guys are hypocrites. And the people cheered. And then he kind of pointed his finger at the Roman government and you. And the people loved it. And then to his own apostles, you guys, and the people. And now Jesus. Oop, there's June. I didn't think June was here. His wife. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my father. <laughs> Off to confession, father goes when he finds a priest. <laughs> Where was I, deacon? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. The people think he's on a victory lap. It is not his victory lap. He is going to the cross. He is going to be executed. He knows this. And we are told he stops and turns around and finally looks at the people. And now you, you, can you imagine then the people like, ah, yeah, we're going to go now. Uh, so Jesus points at them. And what about you? Are you ready to really follow me? Are you ready to pay the cost that it is going to cost you to be my disciple? Are you ready to pay that price? Because they had been following him, watching him do miracles and say wonderful things. And now Jesus, and in that mix, he's been telling them, this is going to be a very difficult path when you follow me. And uh, like I said, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. And that crowd that was following him were great. And they would be would-be disciples, almost fans, if you will, at that time. That's why Jesus turns and said, I need more than that. Are you willing to do more than just walk behind me? Jesus did not only offer those folks a cross at that time, because that's what he said, pick up your cross. And my friends, remember, three times Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. When Jesus repeats something three times, you've got to take notice, because he's trying to impress something. I'm going to flip it. He said, if you don't do this, you cannot be. But Three times he says, you cannot be my disciple if. And my friends, Jesus doesn't only offer the cross, but he actually offered them in that moment hope. And he would offer them victory. Jesus did not invite the would-be disciples to carry their cross without purpose, but in the hope of glory. If. In Christ, there is no crown without the cross, neither is there the cross without the crown. And what is that cross? 
It can be as plain as just having a mundane life bored out of your mind. For some, that is a cross. It could be as ordinary as the common burdens that uh, people must carry on a daily basis. It can be a particular cross, such as living with the most uh, serious injustice done against you. Or it could be because you are walking now with a terminal illness or an illness that will not go away. Or now that cross could be a spouse who is living without their married one because they have passed and the great hardship and pain that comes from that. Or a mother or father who has lost their child to death. And now they must walk in that. That is also a cross. It could be a cross that is far from us, but not far from others, such as surviving a place that is ravaged by war and violence and famine. Or it could be one that is more proximate to us, living in a neighborhood where there is gang, violence, drugs, street violence every night. It can be a cross of habitual sin, the particular disposition of one's tongue, meaning you are always sarcastic and mean-spirited to people. It could be an addiction of any kind. My friends, the struggle to be free of such a cross is a heavy cross indeed. Perhaps a worthwhile cross is found these days in just living a simple life as a Christian because in this society, being a Christian is certainly countercultural with regard to possessions, even, and to other things, but making yourself in solidarity uh, with the marginalized in society and fearlessly upholding the church's teachings in our society. Holding on to the sanctity of all life the right to life of those who cannot speak for themselves, the unborn, all the way down to those who are aged and no one is listening to them anymore. This is the full spectrum of human life. When Jesus told his would-be disciples that they must hate their nearest and dearest in order to be true disciples of his, he was not, of course, advocating for war. He was not advocating that you hate anyone. In fact, the Decalogue, or as we know, the Ten Commandments, uh, there is a commandment, honor mother and father. So you know Jesus is speaking in a different way. He's speaking in a rabbinical way. He's trying to get your attention by being and saying that. Jesus was not a promoter of hatred or a destroyer of family life. Jesus was merely stating that loyalty to him may cost you major sacrifices, even up to family. And in Jesus' time after his death and resurrection, that is exactly what happened. Parents threw their children out uh, who decided they were going to be Christians or followers of the way. And those who uh, were staunch Jewish people who became Christians were thrown out and hated out of businesses, out of neighborhoods. Jesus, when he made that statement, meant that love of God must be first and foremost to any person or anything. This was the cost of discipleship with him. 
this cost of Christian discipleship may mean only small sacrifices as we lose a friend or colleague because of the teachings of Jesus Christ or an acquaintance there where Christian principles and good morals are offensive to them. On the other hand, it may mean major losses, even where there is loss of life. We remind ourselves that in our canon of saints, it includes a very large list of martyrs. And there has been no shortage of Christian martyrs in this century whatsoever. My friends, when Jesus spoke his words about the disciples carrying his or her own cross, as I said when I opened, he was on his way to Jerusalem to get his cross, literally, a wooden one, as imaged behind me. At such a critical time for him, he was looking for real and true disciples who would shoulder their crosses in imitation of him and in solidarity with him. Jesus was not looking for camp followers. He was not interested in having fans or lukewarm friends. He was looking for true disciples, those who would worship his Father. So my friends, this time we pray for all Christians, wherever they may be, for the grace and the faithfulness to be committed to our Lord wholeheartedly in all times, in all places. And you and I must carry our crosses, whatever they may be, but we do it in union with him, and let us not forget that our cross, as his, is more than just a cross. It reaches beyond itself, meaning whatever it is, the cross is for you. It becomes then an instrument of Christian identification. It becomes an instrument of grace, of testimony in this world, and certainly of future glory. For a disciple of Christ, the cross is part and parcel of the journey, you cannot escape it. So my friends, we can either stare at the cross and complain about it, as many Christians do, including in this parish. You can curse it, as many Christians do. You can try to ignore it, and some of you are very good at it. You can try to deny it. Or you can follow Jesus by carrying it with grace, faithfully. Commenting and talking about the cross does not bring salvation. Carrying it as a faithful disciple does. We are walking with Jesus either as a fan or as a true disciple. There will be no black and white on this topic with him. Well, the scriptures themselves speak about how Jesus feels about the lukewarm. It is one or the other. Acceptance of the cross and carrying that cross can change us, however, in a very personal way, from a fan of Christ to a true, committed, and faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. My friends, Jesus expects this from us always. The readings, the first reading um, is part of a prayer from Solomon. 
and he's calling upon God, asking for wisdom in this time. As he is getting older, uh, he recognizes and looks back at failures and how he could have planned better. And in our gospel, Jesus is saying the same thing. Plan. You've got to plan. And you've got to count the cost. And my friends, I know, you and I, how many times have we recommitted to being better, better disciples? How many times have we recommitted to being a better person, more kind, a better person by not judging others so harshly, a better person to love others more deeply? Like most, we have gone through the motions of such commitments several times, Making commitment to follow the gospel, the church's teachings, is not the same as following them. I will tomorrow. No. Now. Because it's hard to reorient our lives towards Christ. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He just said there is victory. It takes planning and decisive action, the way you do everything else. Come on, you guys plan all kinds of things. Being a disciple requires the same thing. What's the difference? You need his grace also. You may not need grace to show up to the airport to get on your plane to go on your vacation. Maybe. <laughs> but you will to follow him and to walk as his disciple. Following the Lord isn't something that just happens. I have never encountered any Christian who will say with any integrity that it just happens and it's super easy for me. <laughs> Nobody said that to me, ever. So how ready are you, then, to pay the cost of Christian discipleship in this time? By doing what is right, by doing what is just, by being merciful and kind, by making the sacrifices that are necessary in discipleship and carrying your cross. True discipleship, my friends, is in fact lived out in the world arena, not just in this building on Sunday. It encompasses the totality of your life. Every decision you make based on what Jesus has taught. My friends, I am not a monk, and I do not live in a monastery. I live out in the city with you. So I know the demands of secular life. And secular life leaves almost little or no room for anything else of late. But I strongly believe, and I ask you to pray about this, discipleship in Jesus Christ raises secular demands to a new level of holiness focused on fidelity to Christ and expressed in the day-to-day -day life. If you do this, you will see the holiness increase by applying his principles in your life every day on every decision you make, how you spend your money, what you'll spend your money on, on your time, how you will spend that time. And last night, I really went off on a tangent. In times where we're voting, you vote as a Christian. How do you separate that from yourself? You do not leave your Christian values outside the door and walk into a voting booth. I guarantee the atheists are not doing it. 
I guarantee the other political party people are not doing it, and then it's not to be expected. So the expectation is you will walk in with the totality of who you are. Use the wisdom and make your choice. In the Gospels, we hear a story about the apostles, about Jesus. And we know the stories end. But every decision you make is a story about your life. So what are you writing? And more importantly, how do you want people to remember your story? It's within your hands. Christ gives you that freedom. Now, my friends, when I became a priest, leading up to the, my ordination, people who I thought were my friends came out and told me, we don't want anything to do with you anymore because now you represent that Catholic church. So be it. Did I wish them harm? Absolutely not. Hatred? No. It was a great sadness. That was going to be the cost. That would not be the end. There would be others. So my friends, Jesus, to do his Father's will, paid the cost throughout his whole life, not just on Calvary, but ultimately on Calvary. And once again, I'm going to bring up his mom, his mother. An angel came and said, favored one of God, I greet you. Mary of Nazareth, young Mary of Nazareth, who became pregnant. And her betrothed Joseph says, I'm going to take you to another town and divorce you because I don't know whose baby that is. The first cross. Then the second. She has her baby and they're on the run because crazy Herod is trying to kill her baby. The world is trying to kill her baby. The second cross. And then somewhere at some point early in Jesus' life, Joseph dies, leaving Mary and Jesus on their own a third cross. Her son decides he's going on a mission, leaving his mother. She is a widow. Another cross. Because of what Jesus is saying and doing, her neighbors begin to despise her, gossip about her, say evil, wicked things about her and her son. Another cross. Favored one of God. They persecuted her son. Another cross. And then finally, they execute her with her standing right beneath him. 
another cross. Nothing was more important than Jesus Christ to her. And because of that, the floodgates of grace were upon her. How did she do this? How did she handle all those crosses? And there's probably more that we don't even know about. Grace. She removed everything that could have been in the way, allowing his grace to come. This is a great example. I don't have anything greater. And she's like us. Jesus was the Son of God, a little bit different. So what's in the way for you? What do you need to remove and get out of the way so his grace can come upon you and you can walk? As Mary did, she carried her cross with grace, crosses with grace and with dignity. And there was victory for her. She is now queen of heaven and earth. For you who will be his disciples, there is victory for you because he promised it. You are his brother or her, his sister. And if he's a king, that makes you a... Come on, you guys. What does that make you? If you are the sibling of a king, what does that make you? Not a slave, a prince or a princess. You have victory. So as you carry your cross and your burden, victory is also being given to you. Princes and princesses in the kingdom. My friends, Christ has won the victory. He is in his kingdom. We simply have to journey there. But how we do that by our words and actions matter. Walk in holiness as you travel to the kingdom uh, where your victory awaits you. Amen.